0: Okay, something else is happening that's very cool this morning. would like to bring some other men up here. Come on up, men. What we're going to do now, what we have the tremendous privilege of doing as a church community, is ordaining Ryan Hillner as a yeah. minister of the gospel. Now, Ryan has been on staff with us here at Reality for two years. And when we hired him on as our youth leader, we brought him before you, the congregation, and we said, here's how the Lord is leading us. The Lord has led us to hire this man. We see God's hand upon him, and we're bringing him on to minister to, to love, and to lead our youth. We told you at that time that we were not ordaining him then, but rather there would be a period of testing and approving. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22 says, don't lay hands on anybody too hastily with regards to the leadership of the church. And so, because we take the ministry and the pastorate very serious, we have a time of testing and approving. And so the other pastors in the church and the staff and the congregation and the youth have been watching him now for two years, and we've seen that truly, God has raised him up as a shepherd in this church and in these coastlands. We see that God has called him, God has anointed him, and God has ordained him. The Lord has already done the work. We cannot take any credit. He is a sovereign work of God and his mom, who's in the front row. (laughs) And we have the privilege of just coming alongside and laying on hands as a church and saying yes and amen to what God has already done, that God has called him and made him a shepherd, and we've seen that he's very effective at that. Now, in the New Testament, there are qualifications for an elder or pastor, and we see those in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus chapter 1, and we've observed his life very closely. He's in deep accountability with us to see whether or not he meets the qualifications of an elder pastor, and we'll tell you that he meets those qualifications, every single one of them, and so we're rejoicing in that. And then also, we've looked to see that he's doing the job of the pastor. We don't ordain somebody one day and say, okay, be a pastor tomorrow. We look to see that they're walking in that gifting and anointing. And the New Testament is clear, not about everything that a pastor will do, but about a lot of things that a pastor would do. The New Testament tells us, first of all, that Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd over the church, 1 Peter chapter 5. Jesus is the senior pastor is what chief shepherd means. Therefore, nobody in this church has the title senior pastor. We reserve that for Jesus Christ. It means he is the superior, the top leadership in the church. He's the chief shepherd. And then the rest of the pastors in the church are to serve in submission to him, under him, honoring him, following him, carrying out his heart and his will and his work in the midst of the church and the world. So Jesus Christ is a chief shepherd. The Bible tells us so. And then he calls little shepherds, shepherds that are underneath him to shepherd the flock of God. You'll remember he said to um, Peter when he restored him in John 21, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And so a pastor in the church is called to shepherd the flock. That means to love the people in the church, to care for the people in the church, to guide the church, to provide spiritual nourishment for those who are in the church. Furthermore, a pastor is to protect the flock. And we've seen that in Ryan. We've seen that God has gifted him and given him insight to protect the flock, both from wolves and from false doctrine. He's able to spot those with spiritual discernment that have ill motives and malintent. And he's able to discern because he's a man of the word of God who is carefully handling the word of God, diligent to present himself as a workman that need not be ashamed. He's able to discern error and falsehood and winds of doctrine when they blow in. And he stands firm against those things and speaks the truth. A pastor is also called to visit and pray for the sick. And we've seen that Ryan has gifts of mercy, we see that he has a heart for those who are sick, that he has a heart for those who are orphans. He's been to Thailand to minister in the orphanages seven or eight times, and he's going back with our kids this summer. Um, a pastor is supposed to prove himself an example to the flock. That is, others are supposed to follow him as he follows Jesus Christ, or rather should be able to. And we've seen that he lives an exemplary life before the Lord. In doctrine and in practice, in his personal life, we've seen that. A pastor is also supposed to guard against and watch for wolves. He does that tenaciously. If you're a wolf, he's your worst nightmare. (laughs) A pastor is supposed to exercise oversight in the church. We've observed that he has wisdom beyond his years. He is a key leader in the church as we seek to follow Jesus Christ. He has wisdom, insight, discernment, and knowledge for the church beyond his years. A pastor is also supposed to take care of the church, and he does that very well. A pastor is supposed to preach and teach in the church, and he's done that faithfully for the last two years, and the fruit of his teaching ministry is evident in the depth of our youth group. Yeah, praise the Lord. A pastor is charged in the New Testament to exhort in sound doctrine, and he does so. And a pastor is called to be able to refute those who contradict the faith. And because he's a man of the word who's committed himself to a study of the word, he's able to refute those who would contradict the faith, and he does it ably. So we have there the qualifications of a pastor, the job of a pastor, but I also want to show you now the passion of the pastor. I want you to turn to Exodus 29 with me. Exodus chapter 29, what we have in Exodus 29 is the ordination ceremony of Aaron and his sons. That is Aaron, who was a high priest in Israel, and his sons. This is the ordination ceremony of them. There was a lot to it. We're just going to look at one facet or one aspect of it this morning. It involved a blood sacrifice of a ram, okay? So this is the Old Testament priesthood in Exodus 29, being ordained to the ministry, and I want you to take note of verses 22 through 24. It says in verse 22 of Exodus 29, you shall also take the fat from the ram and the fat from the tail and the fat that covers the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and the right thigh. For it is the ram of ordination. Ordination, if you have the King James, it says consecration. Okay, hold on to that. Verse 23, and take one one cake of bread and one cake of bread mixed with oil and one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread, which is set before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons and shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. So what we have here in this ordination ceremony is that there is a particular ram that was sacrificed, And this ram in verse 22 is called the ram of ordination. Now the Hebrew word that's translated ordination or consecration here literally meant to fill the hands of. That's a literal or wooden translation of the word, to fill the hands of, translated ordination or consecration here. Idiomatically it meant this, to delegate authority, responsibility, care, and dominion to. To delegate authority, responsibility, care, and dominion. Literally, to fill the hands. Idiomatically, meaning the gist of it was a delegation of authority. Now notice that what they were to do was to sacrifice this ram and then to fill the hands of these young priests with both parts of the ram and the bread. The parts of the ram were the it, the rich inward parts, the, the fat around the liver and the lobe of the liver, and also the strong right shoulder or the right thigh. And then also you're supposed to mix this bloody fatty mixture with some bread. Now this is an Old Testament picture or foreshadowing a prophetic vision of Jesus Christ, who is the sacrifice that enables us to do his work. In the rich inward parts, we have a picture of Jesus in his deity. In the bread, we have a picture of Jesus in his humanity. Remember, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And so we have here this vivid visual that those who are entering into the work of the Lord were to have their hands filled with, overflowing with, saturated with the sacrifice, namely Jesus Christ. And that is what we believe about ordination, that this young man is to, from this day forward, he's to have his hands full of the person of Jesus Christ. We're not calling him to have his hands in life full of the ministry. That's not what we're asking of him. We're asking of him to have his hands in his life full of Jesus Christ. His hands are not to be overflowing with the work for the Lord. They're to be overflowing with the love of the Lord. And then we believe that fruitful ministry will come forth from his life as Jesus remains on the throne and as his passion and his obsession and that true ministry will flow from that intimacy. Now, notice that once these priests' hands were full of the sacrifice, it says in verse 24 that they were to offer it as a wave offering to the Lord. This is very interesting here a wave offering to the Lord. The, their hands are full of the warm guts of the sacrifice and the bread. It was a visual and a feeling they would never forget. And they would stand before the altar. And the altar for the Old Testament priesthood was a place of service. It's a place where they did the work of the ministry unto the Lord and on behalf of the people. And a wave offering was waved in a very unique way and not in any other way. As they were holding the sacrifice, the prophetic vision of Jesus Christ, they were to wave it between them and the altar like this, back and forth between them and the altar, The sacrifice that filled their hands. And what that communicated to them on this day was this, that they were always to keep the sacrifice between them and the place of ministry that Jesus Christ has got to remain between the pastor and the work of the ministry. Jesus Christ is preeminent. He is the glorious one that loves us and whom we love, and he is to stay on the throne of the heart of those who are called to the ministry. And so today we fill Ryan's hands, so to speak, and we put him there facing the altar, and we say, brother, keep Jesus between you and the ministry. And as long as he keeps Jesus between him and the ministry, there's going to be fruitful outflow from his life and in this church and to this coastline and to the nations. And we as a community of faith now led by the Holy Spirit under the headship of Jesus Christ should embrace him in his calling and encourage him in his passion. His passion is not ministry. His passion is Jesus. And so we come alongside him in that as now those who would receive from his ministry to love him toward the Lord, to hold up his arms in prayer and in accountability. And so it should be for each one of us that we never let Jesus get anywhere else other than the throne. He stays on the throne. We never let the ministry get between us and him. And so young man, that's what we're expecting of you. We're expecting of you to love the Lord and to love the Lord's people but don't confuse the two. Let the Lord be first, and then we believe that from your life will come tremendous fruit. So now, church, we're going to pray over him. The pastors are going to lay hands on him, and you're going to agree with us in prayer, and we'll ordain him.
1: Lord, we thank you so much for the honor and the privilege of serving you. Lord, we don't deserve to be able to do that, Lord, we know you could do ministry, and you do do ministry so much better than we ever could. And yet, Lord, you choose to use us. You choose to use us, Lord, and we thank you for it. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And, Lord, today we just recognize not that Ryan is great or that he's a a great teacher or that he's he's a great shepherd or that he's just a great guy, but, Lord, we recognize that you are great. And we declare that great is the Lord, and you are greatly to be praised. And so we give you the praise, Lord. We give you the thanks. We thank you for saving Ryan. We thank you, Lord, for the calling that is on his life. We thank you, Lord, that you call them uh, out of the world, and you call them unto yourself, Lord. You call them to be with you, and to serve you, and to serve your body. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for giving him the strength to obey you in that calling. And today we recognize, Lord, that your hand is on him. Your hand is on him, Lord. And you've already ordained him. You've already consecrated him to be your minister. And so today, Lord, thank you that we get to partner with you in that and say yes and amen to what you're doing. We ask that you'd fill him, Lord, with your spirit. You'd give him everything that he needs for life and godliness, everything that he needs to bring glory to your name and to edify the body of Christ and to evangelize the world effectively for your name, Lord. I ask it in your name.
2: Thank you, Father. Thank you for your kindness to this body that you would raise up another shepherd. We see that you are very kind, Lord, that it is you that has done this. Oh, Lord, we together ask that again, Lord, that you would keep this man from pride. Lord, that you would be very kind to him in that way. That Ryan would remember that he is dead. He was dead, but now he's been made alive in Christ. That he would constantly, constantly be seeking you for everything, for all that he does, Lord. Pray that you would protect him. Lord, that you would protect him, Lord. We're so blessed by this beautiful work that you have done in this man. Beautiful part of the body here. Thank you, Lord.
3: Yes, Lord, thank you. This is your son. You've raised him, and we're thankful, Lord, that today you are appointing him to love you and to serve others. So we pray that you would give him the mind of Christ, that he might, Lord, be able to continue to discern the things of God. Lord, that you would anoint his hands as he would serve you and serve others. Lord, that you would broaden his heart, that you would expand it to receive more of your love, that in that he would be able to love others, even greater capacity. Lord, we pray you would anoint his feet, that you would shot it with the gospel of peace. Lord, that wherever these feet would go, the gospel would go with him. And so, Lord, we're trusting, we're believing that you're going to continue to stir up the gifts in him that if he's lacking any gifts, that today you would anoint him with those gifts. Lord, we ask that you would help your son. You guide him. You lead him. That his eyes would have a a, Lord be fixated into your word. That he would see into it. That he would know it, believe it, and preach it. And so, Lord, we see that you've raised this man up.
0: Just like you did David. David. You chose them and you put your spirit upon him and you raised them up as a shepherd among your people. And we see and we agree, the whole church body here, we see and we agree that you have done this in Ryan. And so we say yes and amen. We just join with the work of the Holy Spirit. We just identify with it. We say yes and amen. We agree with it. And we commit ourselves to your work that you have raised up this man in Jesus Christ. To you be the glory. To you be all the glory. Get more glory through this man, Lord. Use him as an agent of your glory, Lord. Thank you for him, Lord. We receive him as a gift to this church to shepherd us and to love us in your name and for your praise. We ordain him in the name of Jesus Christ as a minister of the gospel. And all the church said, Amen. 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 So you were wondering why the pulpit was so short today. <laughs> we now have the incredible honor and privilege of hearing Ryan's first ever sermon to big people. <laughs> <There's> been... <clears throat>
4: you guys, doing good this morning? All right. Just uh. It's just an honor and privilege for me. I held it together. I'm holding it, holding it a little better this morning. Uh, first service, I was just crying because I've just kind of uh, seen what the Lord had done. When I was 14 years old, um, the Lord told me, he said, he said you're going to be a pastor and it's your choice if you want to do it or not. And uh, I'm going to cry. So. <laughs> I thought I was going to have it. <clears throat> but um, it's, just, it's just radical to see how faithful the Lord is. And um, to see even 10 years ago what the Lord <clears throat> told me and just to see it happening, it's, uh, it's pretty radical. And uh, Britt, he wrote in my Bible when I came on staff here two years ago, and it's Philippians 1, 3 through 6, and it's talking about how, how God is faithful to complete the work that he started. And um, be encouraged, because it took 10 years, but um, praise be to God. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right, you guys ready for a Bible study? Yeah. Okay, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. When you get it, say, got it. Got it. All right. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Guys all there? Okay, let me read it. <clears throat> It says for all who are being led by the spirit of God these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out abba father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs also heirs of Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you that you are faithful, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you're faithful even when we're faithless. Lord, thank you that you're faithful to complete the work that you've started in us, Lord. And God, we thank you for this text that you've given us today, Lord. We thank you for the book of Romans, Lord, and we thank you, Jesus, for the fact that we are adopted sons and daughters. God, we ask that you minister to us. you teach us what that means today, Lord. And God, we'd really grasp a hold of the inheritance that you've given to us because we're your sons and daughters. And so, Lord, we want more of you today, Lord. We really want to fall more in love with you, Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we wake up. That's why we drive here. That's why we're sitting in these chairs, Lord, is because we want to know you more. We want to experience you more. We want to love you. God, we want you to speak to us now. Holy Spirit, we ask that your word would, would be sharper than any double-edged sword. We ask that it would, it would pierce our hearts today, Lord. We ask, Jesus, that that you would be magnified, Lord, that, that I and we would decrease and that you might increase, Lord. And so, God, we ask that you would be uh, my mouthpiece, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would do the speaking, Lord, um, that you would be glorified today, Lord. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to be talking about adoption and the benefits of adoption. See, when we get saved, when we put our trust and our faith and our belief in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what the Word of God tells us is that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. Amen. It's our pledge that we're His. And and we begin to walk in the newness of life because we've been redeemed, we've been bought back, we've been reconciled because of the work on the cross through Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. And what that does, because we're sealed and because our trust and our faith is in Jesus Christ, what happens is, is, is we're adopted into his family. We become a part of his family. We're sons and we're daughters. And if we're sons and daughters of the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, what does that make us? It make us princes and princesses. That's fun, right? You don't have to be like five years old to be a princess. You can be as old as you want and you're still God's princess. <clears throat> But what that makes us as sons and daughters to the king, that makes us princes and princesses. And as the body of Christ, what that makes us is brothers and sisters in Christ because we've been adopted into his family. Amen? Amen. We've been adopted in as his family because God restored that broken relationship on the cross. Amen? It all comes back to Jesus. And because of our faith and trust in the Lord, God adopts us into his family. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all his sons and daughters. We're princesses and princes. Amen? And in that, there's benefits of adoption. We get things because we're his sons and daughters. That's cool, right? That's really fun. We're going to talk all about that today, the benefits of adoption. And the benefits of adoption are our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Because what Romans 8 tells us is that we are heirs to God and co-heirs with Christ of God's inheritance because we're sons and daughters of God. And so the coolest part is is that if we're co-heirs with Christ, that whatever Jesus gets, we get. Amen. Whatever Jesus gets, us as believers get also. That's wild. I don't know if you guys grasp that, but that's wild. Whatever Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior gets, you get also because we're co-heirs with him. Amen? Amen. See, with with an earthly son or with earthly inheritance, normally what you'd have to do is you'd have to wait for your dad or your father or someone to die in order order for you to receive inheritance, right? That's how it works. There's a will or you, you get passed down certain things, but somebody has to die in order for that to happen. And in, in order for, to get your inheritance, you have to wait for that. But see, that's not the case with the Lord. See, Jesus died, but then what happened three days later? Rose. Rose again, amen? And so what happens is that we here and now get to experience God's inheritance. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for anything. God is eternal. He can't die. So the question would be, do I not get anything yet? Because in in our mind, it's like, okay, someone has to die for me to over to get inheritance. What's up? Well, the the raddest part is that here and now, we get what Jesus gets. We are co-heirs with him, and there's benefits of, of being his. There's benefits of adoption, amen? And that's his inheritance, here and now. 1 Peter one four says, our inheritance that we get is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. Amen. That's our inheritance as believers because we're sons and daughters. Our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. Our inheritance is his riches in glory. Our inheritance is his riches in glory. I can't. I actually don't really even know what that is. His riches in glory, you're like, okay, he's in glory, and he's got a lot of riches, and that's my inheritance. I don't know, but it sounds really cool. And if it's God, it has to be sweet, and it has to be cool, and you probably can't even comprehend it. And we can't. God's inheritance for us, here and now, on this earth, day in and day out, is his riches in glory. That's wild. That's wild. And it's not because of what we did. It's because of what he did on the cross. Amen? Amen. And because of that work, that completed work on the cross, and we've because we've accepted him, as, and he calls us sons and daughters, we get to take part in his inheritance here and now on the earth. Amen? Amen. Our inheritance is his riches and glory. One of the, the greatest parts of our inheritance is that God left us with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, as we we spoke of earlier, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Literally, God dwells inside of you. Bible says that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is residing in you. We get that as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. We get that. And along with the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to come alongside and aid us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to empower us. He comes alongside us, and He teaches us. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is a big part of our inheritance as sons and daughters. And because the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us, no longer do we have to live according to the flesh. No longer does our life have to be characterized by the deeds of the flesh, but we've been transformed, we've been redeemed, we're new creations, and now we can walk in the Spirit, amen? Amen. Because of the Holy Spirit, because it's part of our inheritance here and now. And what Galatians 5 lists is, is the fruit of the Spirit, the outcome, the results of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. That is a result of the Spirit in our lives, and it's here and now. God has given us the Holy Spirit to do all those things, aid and comfort and strengthen and empower and come alongside and teach, but the result of your inheritance being worked out now is a life full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Isn't that fun? Amen. That's awesome, right? She knows what's up. And then if that wasn't enough, God chooses to use us. That's even stranger. It's one thing that he would give us the Holy Spirit, but then he's like, hey, you know what? I'm, I want to use you also. And as you guys know, we're sinners saved by grace, amen? Amen. Not of our works that no man should boast. We're sinners saved by grace. That's all we are. It's all because of him and nothing because of us. But he chooses to use us. He chooses us to to put our hands to the plow. He, He uses us in so many ways. And because he's given us the Holy Spirit, he gives us tools to bless others, to further his kingdom, and to glorify himself. Those things are the the gifts of the Spirit. There's a lot of stuff that comes along with the Holy Spirit. It's a great gift that the Lord would give us. And the gifts of the Spirit are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the effecting of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the gift of service, the gift of teaching, the gift of encouragement, leadership, gift of mercy, and the gift of evangelism. Those are all the gifts that come along with your inheritance being the person of the Holy Spirit. It's radical. These are all the things that we get. If you want to know more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, last summer, Britt did a whole teaching on it. So there's about a 12-week message on the gifts. You should go get it. But what's radical is this is all that we get as our inheritance in the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but people, we just tapped the iceberg. We just, this is the tip of the iceberg for the benefits of adoption. You guys ready?
3: Yeah.
4: yeah. Okay, saddle up. Amen. Okay. In him, because we are sons and daughters, because he's rescued us, because he's restored us, we get these things. In him, we can consider it all joy in various trials. That's what yeah. we can do as believers. We can forgive as the Lord forgave us. We can practice hospitality. We can persevere in tribulation. We can crucify the flesh and we can die to self. We're able to pray for ourselves and others. We're able to bear one another's burdens. We're, we're able to encourage one another. We can give preference to one another. We can be at peace with all men. We can love our neighbor as ourself. We can love our enemies and we can bless those who persecute you. You can do these things. Okay, don't, don't. Just hold on. There's more. Because we've been adopted, we can worship. We can fellowship. We can serve the Lord. We can make the most of every opportunity. We can share our faith. We can walk in the Spirit. We can rejoice and be glad. We can cast out demons. We can pick up serpents. And we can drink deadly poison and not get hurt. I wouldn't suggest that. Maybe pray before you do that. I know the Lord said it, but just don't be drinking. Just, yeah, just pray. But you're able to do that because you're sons and daughters. If the circumstance would arise, the Lord's able to have you be okay. In the Great Commission, the Lord said, you can make disciples of all nations. We can be discipled. We can be revived. We can be refreshed. We can be reconciled. We can be comforted. We can be protected. We can be restored. We can be redeemed. And we can be disciplined because we're his sons and daughters. We can enter into God's presence. We can boldly approach the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16 tells us. We don't have to lose heart. We don't have to grow weary. We don't have to get tired. We don't have to worry. And we have nothing to fear. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm halfway there. (laughs) Because we're princesses and princes, we can know the mysteries of God. We can stand in the gap for others. We can be used to save sinners We're we're rooted and grounded in love. Because of Jesus, we have authority in the spiritual realm. We are more than conquerors. We can rebuke the devil. We can make the devil flee. We can stand firm against the schemes of the enemy, and we can stand firm on the word of God. That's what we're able to do. That's the benefits of adoption. We have the power over sin. We have the power over death. We have the power over the devil. We've been made righteous. Our hope does not disappoint We can be above reproach, we can be humble, we can obtain grace, we can obtain mercy, we can obtain forgiveness, and we can obtain God's promises. In Him, we can purify our hearts, we are the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world, we're His masterpiece, we're saints, we can grow in spiritual maturity, we're cleansed from all unrighteousness, we're rescued from darkness, we can run the race with endurance, we can be a doer of the word, we can be quick to listen and slow to speak, We can shut the mouth of lions. We can quench the power of fire. We can escape the edge of the sword. From weakness can be made strong, can become mighty in war. We can put foreign armies to flight and we're going to heaven. I mean, that's crazy. Amen. Amen. That is what we have in Christ Jesus. And there's a whole lot more in his word. Again, just the tip of the iceberg. That is what we have as believers, as sons and daughters. That, those are the, the benefits of being his sons and daughters. That is what comes along with it. But the coolest part is, is that we have direction and we have purpose. Isn't it nice to know why you're here and what you're supposed to do on this earth? Yeah. Hey, I'm supposed to love the Lord. I'm supposed to worship him. I'm supposed to glorify him with all I do. And I'm supposed to love others as much as myself. That's what our job and our task and our purpose and our direction is. We know that because we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. We can know that. That's the hugest question. What am I supposed to do? Why am I here? What's going on? It's all in the word of God and it's all part of your inheritance. It is. It's all there. We have direction. We have purpose. And the best part is we have a daddy and a papa who loves us. And who gives us good things. That's what it comes down to. We have a daddy and a papa that loves us and gives us good things. In Romans 8, it says that our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. It's a term that denoted intimacy and trust as a little kid would go to her father and just say, Papa or Daddy. See, that's what it's all about. Because of our relationship, our restored relationship through Jesus Christ, we have direction, and we have purpose, and what it all comes down to is we have a papa and a daddy that loves us and gives us these things.
3: Hallelujah.
4: That's as simple and as sweet as it gets. Our inheritance is God giving us good things, and it's radical because we're sinners saved by grace, right? We don't deserve any of it. It's by grace, an undeserved gift that he gives us these things, Amen. So be encouraged, church. I mean, believers, be encouraged of what you have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. The next time, your woe is me. The next time, oh, no, everything is, my life is shambles. Just remember what you have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Remember that. But the thing is, is if you're here this morning and and, and you don't call yourself a Christian and, and you don't believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you haven't made um, that commitment to him, if, if you don't feel like you know he's your master and your ruler and, and you live your life according to, to, to his statutes and his commandments, I'm sorry, but that inheritance is not for you. None of that. That whole list is is, is not for you. But but God desires that it would be yours. Because yeah, right, the reason why God sent his only begotten son is that those sh- that sh- the <laughs> <laughs> should believe in him should have everlasting life, amen? Yeah. And what did Jesus come to say? He says, I come to give you life in that abundantly. See, God's intention from the beginning was for all of humanity to have a deep love, love relationship with him. For all humanity. For believers, that is yours right now. For those of you that that, that aren't believers, God wants you to have those things. He wants your life to consist of his riches and glory. Amen? Amen. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on the fact that his intention from the beginning was to do that. We read it in First Timothy 1.4. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's heart for all of humanity, and it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Isn't that the greatest part? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the greatest part. In our state of just filth, Christ died for us so that he could give us this inheritance. Amen? Amen? Amen. See, we cannot forget that we exist to love him. That's what we exist to do. We cannot forget that we exist to love him. That was God's intention from the beginning. And he wants all humanity to be in that love relationship with him. And this might be kind of weird what I'm going to say to you guys right now, but for believers, you have a right to those things. Okay, hear me out. You have a right to those things, not because of what we did, but because of what he did on the cross. We have a family right to all of God's riches and glory. They're ours. And the reason why he has them is for us. To, To give to us, to have an abundant life, to have a blessed life, to have the fullness of what he has for us. That's it's, it's our family right. It's our right to have these things. Isn't that a wild thought? Not only do we not deserve it, but it's our right to have it because of what he did on the cross, amen? It's wild. But as believers, we do. We have that right because we're his sons and daughters and we have access to those things. And God wants to give us those good things, amen? amen. That's his heart, to give us those good things. Positionally, As believers, we have everything, but it is our job and task to get these things practically, okay? Positionally, because of the cross, because of our position as sons and daughters, we've got this inheritance that's awesome and rad and wonderful. Those are the benefits of adoption. And positionally, we have those things, but it's our job to practically go get them for our daily living, that's our job and our task as Christians. Ephesians 1.3 tells us this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And 2 Peter 1.3 says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Those are past tense. God has already given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has already given you everything that you'll ever need for life and godliness. Isn't that comforting? I think that's comforting, that he has already, past tense, given us everything positionally because of his work on the cross. Amen? Amen. But practically... God's inheritance is for ours to get, to go and get, to grab hold of. Because positionally, it's all ours, all that you saw up there, and all in God's Word. Every spiritual blessing and everything you'll ever need, you have it already. You have it already. But it's our job and task as Christians to, to go and get it, to go and grab hold of it practically for our lives now, for work for school, for your family, when you're just walking around and being a person. Positionally, you have everything in Christ Jesus. But practically, what do we have? Practically, are we grabbing hold of it? It's like Joshua. You guys remember Joshua when we studied that a while back? Okay, so the Lord already had given Joshua the promised land. Joshua, I've already given you the promised land. I've given all your enemies into your hand. I've already given you Jericho and the city of Ai. Just go get it. That's what the Lord told Joshua. And what Joshua did is he trusted in the Lord, he believed in the Lord, and he practically got what the Lord positionally already gave him. We saw that. Yeah, there was the Jordan River, and there was enemies, and there was larger armies, and there was fortified cities, but you know what? God had already given that stuff to Joshua, and Joshua was going to go possess it for his own. He was going to go take hold of what God God had given him. Isn't Joshua rad? Amen. Amen. And so the task of the Christian is this, to obtain God's promises for our possessions. Yeah. Yeah. Our job is to obtain God's promises for our possessions. Because, again, it's all ours, positionally because of the cross. But how much of this is yours practically here and now? That's our job. Man, God has got numerous, maybe innumerable promises that he has already given me. Man, am I grabbing hold of all that the Lord has? I'm gonna try to use an analogy for you right now. And uh, who, who in here likes Costco? I love Costco. Costco, in my mind, is one of the greatest places on earth, really. Um, <clears throat> there's just so much fun to be had at Costco. Uh, you know, if anybody has any errands that, hey, I need to grab something at Costco, man, I wanna drive out, I'll be like, yes, I will drive out. I'll, my own gas, no problem. Because what happens is when you get to Costco, I mean, it's an enormous store, there's enormous rows, and there's just a lot of fun things. I'll just find myself just walking up and down rows, just going, okay, that looks fun. Wow, that's, that's cheap. Okay, I want that. That's, wow, that's really fun. Can I do that? Can I buy that? And what happens is it, it, it goes more than that. At Costco, you're just oogling at everything that's good, Right? You're seeing things. You go, wow, that's awesome. Look at that air compressor. I want that thing. But what happens is you're like, man, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. But then you make your corner and you see the samples. And there's just samples galore. Oh, have lunch there all the time. Just go around. Dip, dip. It's awesome. It's awesome. And, <clears throat> and so you know how excited I'd be if someone came up to me and said, hey, you know what? So-and-so, um, so-and-so died in... Um, they left you Costco, the warehouse. <laughs> the whole warehouse, here's the keys, open it up anytime, it's yours, all that goodies. I'd be like, all right. I'd say, everybody, I speak, just everybody out, please. This is mine now. I got, thank you. I would be, I, I'd be overjoyed. I'd be undone. I'd go in there all the time. I'd just walk around. I'd check what I had, I'd see, I'd take full advantage. I'd, it would be awesome. But the first thing, obviously, if if we were given something like that, something so big and something so fun, maybe not so fun for everyone, but. (laughs) Is you take stock, right? You take stock of what you had. If someone just gave you a full warehouse of fun stuff, you'd be like, I'm gonna go look what's in there. You walk around and you take inventory and take stock. And then the second thing is you you take full advantage of that stuff. I mean, if there's something that you need to do and and your Costco has it now, You go get it, right? You take full advantage. That's mine. That's mine. And in the same way, I'm gonna try to tie this analogy into the Lord. And in the same way, our inheritance, Christ's riches in glory, is like a huge God Costco. Okay? That He has already given you the keys of. And He says, inside of that is all the grace and mercy. All the comfort, all the help that you will ever need, everything pertaining to life and godliness, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And people, it, this is not a story; it happens. But his Costco is endless. Amen. There's not four walls to it. It's not something that can waste away. Remember, First uh, Peter one four, our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and will not waste away. Amen. And so what God does is he has given us this entire just warehouse of blessings, and that is your inheritance. And he says, it's all yours. Go get it. Go get it. That's exactly what he's done. And so, and I wish it was as easy as as going into a store, and there was a row that said grace, and then you walk over, and it said mercy, and uh, wisdom, yeah, that's over on that side of this. And you could go, and you could just grab I wish you could take a card in there and go, I need some wisdom. I need some mercy. I'm really tired. Oh, the Lord never gets tired. Okay. And and you know what? It, It is like that. Because we can ask and seek and beseech and petition the Lord for those things. Because remember, he has already given it to us positionally. But it is our job as Christians to practically grab hold of those things that he's already given us. Amen? And so we should do the same thing with, with, with God. Is We should take stock. We should know the inventory. We should, we should know the word of God. We should know the word of what we have in Christ Jesus. And then the second thing is we should, we should take, take full advantage of what is rightfully ours because of Jesus Christ. Amen? We should take full advantage of it. But remember, you can't take full advantage if you don't know what you even have. And so it all comes down to, because of what Jesus did, I get these things. I don't deserve them. Man, I don't deserve them at all. But they're rightfully mine now because of him? Wow, trip out. That's crazy. But I need to know what I have and then take full advantage of those things. Can you you even imagine how much different our lives would be if we really took all that God has and applied it to our life? I mean, that entire list that I read, if that characterized our life, that, you know, we were always patient, and, you know, we, we, we could be refreshed and be renewed, and we didn't grow weary, and, you know, we were rooted and grounded in love, and all these things, if they really practically showed in our lives, you'd, you'd be superhuman. You'd be Jesus. That's what you'd be. But that's the goal of the Christian life, right? Want to be more like Him? And so it's, it's all about getting the fullness of what God has. And, and Paul said it really good in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. <clears throat> he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. See, Paul, he said, you know what? Brethren, I do not regard myself of laying hold of it yet. And to tell you the truth, brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, we will never totally grab hold of all that God has until we see him. That's the reality. That's that's the truth of it. But what Paul says is, you know what? I understand that and I know it. But one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. But Paul was willing to say, you know what, I'm going to press on. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to pursue the Lord. I'm going to go take hold of all that I can get. And those of you that are believers that have even tasted some of the inheritance that the Lord has given you, it just naturally makes you want more. And so what I want to charge us as, as, as a body of believers, as Reality Carp, as, as those that have come to church this morning, is to grab hold of more that God has for you. Thank you don't ever think that you've gotten here and i have gotten all that God has. Maybe just look around the aisle, then you'll see the sample section. <laughs> just kidding. <clears throat> no, but be encouraged. But don't leave this place without, man, grabbing hold of more of where, you know, what more than the Lord might have of you. You guys ready to worship him for that? I am. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you desired to give us the fullness of who you are. And Lord, we have tasted and seen that you're good, but we want more. We want more of it, Lord. We want more of you, Jesus. We're desperate for you. And Lord, we thank you that even though We're sinners. You saved us by grace, Lord. We don't deserve these things that you've given us, but God, you've you've seen it fit to make us our right to, to grab hold of these things, Lord. And so, God, I pray that we would. I pray that we would grab hold of who you are. I pray that we'd experience you more. I pray that we would, man, Lord, obtain more of your promises for our possessions. God, we thank you. We praise you. God, would you just... Just anoint this time, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you fall in this place. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Encourage you guys, if you need prayer, the prayer team's up here. If you just want to come down and be with the Lord, it's all good. And I encourage you guys to do that and grab a hold of, of more of who he is. Amen. Amen.